Hello, hello. I hope you are doing good today as we continue to our study on the book of Mark, chapter 7. I will be reading from the International Version Bible, and you're welcome to follow along with me with a Bible version of your choice. And so it starts like this. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash, and they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. And I want to stop right here. Remember how in the previous chapters, remember how Pharisee used to watch Jesus, um, especially on the Sabbath. They used to watch Jesus wherever he went. Yes, Jesus had the, follow, the, the crowd following him, but also the Pharisee were watching him, no matter where he was. They were those monitoring devices, right? They were always watching him. Whatever he was doing, whatever he was saying, they were keeping tracks on him. And so here, they're also watching the disciples. Are they going to do what we do? Because this is the tradition of the elders. And everybody is supposed to follow up with what we do. It's like the police, right? They're, they're the police. They're always, um, they're always monitoring what it is that we are doing. And uh, when we, we don't do what, they, what we ought to be doing, then they report it to the higher officials. And so these are the Pharisees here. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? So now they come to Jesus thinking that Jesus is going to rebuke, rebuke um, his disciples. And what does Jesus say? Jesus replies, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. He called them hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachers, their teachings are merely human rules. And this comes from Isaiah 29, 13. When you have a minute, go ahead and step into that scripture and uh, study further. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. Now, these are not God's rules. These are human traditions. And you are wanting to make sure that everybody follows up these human traditions, the burdens that Jesus often talked about, the burdens that they would put on other people, not lifting their hands, not lifting their own hands to do anything. And he continued, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. And so he kind of, you know, rebukes them instead because they thought that Jesus was going to rebuke the disciples, but Jesus is coming at them. He's saying, uh-uh, you guys are not doing what it is that you're supposed to be doing. Honor, for Moses says, honor your mother and father and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their mother or father is Corbin, 
that is devoted to God. Then you no longer let them do anything for their mother or father. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And you do many things like that. So he brings up an example and he says, you only, you only do what it is that is comfortable to you. You cherry pick the law. In other words, you only pick what fits you, but you don't do, uh, you don't follow up all the rules. You only pick what fits you, what benefits you and so forth. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen to me, everyone. And understand this. Now, Jesus is like, listen, these Pharisees are coming up in here and they're, and, and they're setting up their own rules and traditions. He goes to say, nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. He says, don't listen to these Pharisees. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull? He asked, don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach and then out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. There are still people who are following these traditions of not eating certain foods because they feel it is unclean. They feel that somehow they are defiling the law of God, which is not true because Jesus said, nothing outside the person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of the person that defiles them. And the reason, the reason people do these things or they follow up these traditions and laws because they don't want to go into the word of God for themselves to study and see what the Bible actually says about these things. They just go with what their pastor told them, what their minister told them, what their apostle told them, but they won't go into the scripture to find out what it is that they need to know. They only listen to the Pharisee and Pharisee they put burdens on other people, but they themselves are not doing what it is that they said they were supposed to do. He went on, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, loveness, envy, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. These Pharisees, they, they make sure that you look good. They want to make sure that your tassels are long enough. And they want to make sure that you're wearing these long robes. They want to make sure that you sit in a, you know, in a high place and so forth. But they don't think about these other things that are important. Like adultery, greed, malice, deceit. Lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. These things they are not paying attention to. They're paying attention to the things that don't matter, in other words. Judge for yourself. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity, to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know about it. Yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, 
A woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, born of Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive out the demon out of her daughter. First, let the children eat all they want, he told her. It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. And he's speaking in parables right here. Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying in bed and the demon gone. So there's this, this moment right in the midst of it where this uh, woman who was Greek comes to Jesus and he, she says, my daughter needs healing. And Jesus, he came to the Hebrew, he came to the, to, to the Jewish people uh, to, to save them. And here she is, Greek, coming to ask for healing. And Jesus says, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. And then she, he's actually speaking in parables. And then she replies with faith. And she says, yeah, but the dogs also eat the children's crumbs. And um, she humbled herself. And uh, because she humbled herself, she received her healing or her daughter's healing. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of Decapolis. There are some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. After he took him aside away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the men's ears. Now imagine that. Then he spit and touched the men's tongue. Imagine that. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh, he said to him, and it's a word, Ipatha, Ipatha, I don't want to mispronounce, but he said to him, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened his tongue was loosened and he began to speak plainly. Healing came forth. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. And so this concludes Chapter 7 of the book of, or the gospel of Mark. I pray this was a blessing to you and that you have learned something from it. Um, I always encourage you to continue to study the word of God, to show yourself approved unto God, to make sure that you are hiding this word in your heart because it is that important. When the evil, when the evil day comes, you will be able to speak the truth and you will be able to withstand the enemy. Thank you once again for joining. God bless you and take care. Continuation of the book of Mark. As always, I am going to be reading from New International Version Bible. And you're welcome to follow along with me with a Bible version of your choice. Mark chapter 8. During these days, another large crowd gathered. Since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples and said to him and said, 
I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way, because some of them have come a long distance. His disciples answered, But where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed them? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. When he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people, and they did so. They had a few small fish as well. He gave thanks for them also and told the disciples to distribute them. The people ate and were satisfied. Afterwards, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. About 4,000 were present. After he had sent them away, he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the region of Dalmanatha. The Pharisee. Again, we, find, we, we, we see the Pharisees came and began to question Jesus. To test him, they asked him for a sign from heaven. He signed deeply and said, Why does this generation ask for a sign? Truly, I tell you, no sign will be given to it. Then he left them, got back into the boat and crossed to the other side. So there is this miracle. There is this wonder happening right in the middle of a remote place. They have nothing to eat. Jesus makes a way out of no way. Jesus takes that bread, the leftover bread, just seven loaves of bread, and he multiplies it. He takes those seven loaves of bread and he multiplies the, the food to give to everyone there. Not only do they have leftovers, it says afterward the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces. Imagine that. And there it says that it was about 4,000 present. And um, this was a miracle of Jesus. I remember when I was a... Um, when I was in Sunday school, this story was very fascinating to me. I didn't quite understand it at a time, but um, later on in life, I did understand um, the principle of it. And uh, I pray that you also understand the principle of it because God can make a way out of no way. If today you are looking for a way and you see the impossibility, just wait because God is coming and he's coming to make a way out of no way. He always does. He always does. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread except for one loaf that they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, it is because we have no bread. So disciples are carnal. They're thinking about the physical bread. Jesus is not talking about the physical bread. He's talking about the spiritual, the spiritual significance of the yeast, the false teaching of the Pharisee. That's what he's talking about. Aware of this discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Did you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? 
Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember? And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? How many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered, seven. He said to them, do you still not understand? They came to Bethesda and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on man's eyes. Then the eyes were open. His sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. What a powerful sight. He puts his hands on this boy who was blind and he asks him, do you see anything? The boy sees something and Jesus puts his hand on him again. He says, now go for it, right? And the, eye, the eyes of the blind man, of the blind boy open and his sight was restored. Powerful, powerful, powerful. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say that I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. So they're having this conversation, you know, amongst, amongst brethren, just amongst, you know, friends or whatever. And so he's asking, hey, you know, what do people perceive me as? Who do they think that I am? And they're saying, okay, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say the prophet. But Jesus, getting their answer, says, well, what about you? Well, who, who do you think... Who do you think I am? Who do you say I am? And so Peter says, you are the Messiah. It's just a conversation they're having. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed on three days and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at the disciples, he rebuked Peter. I found this quite fascinating. Like he just went on and he said, Peter, get behind me. I mean, we're about to, about to step in. Get behind me, Satan. He said, he didn't say Peter. I apologize. He said, get behind me, Satan. Because he recognized the spirit within Peter. The spirit within Peter that had tried to hinder him from pursuing his purpose. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And this is also parallel with Matthew 16, verse 23. He says, get behind me, Satan. He's not speaking to Peter. He's speaking to the spirit within Peter that is hindering him. And Peter 
was his closest disciple. He was one that was walking with him, talking with him, conversating with him, right? He was right there with him at all times. He's not looking at Peter. He looks past Peter and he looks within and he says, that spirit within Peter, that's what I'm rebuking, not Peter. And I wonder how Peter felt at the moment. He's like, Jesus, are you out of your mind? Probably. But we don't know. Um, the author doesn't really tell us. Um, but if this happened in real life, I would think that Peter was like, Jesus, are you okay? This is Peter. This is not Satan, you know. But um, Jesus, he did not talk, he, he did not confront Peter. He confronted the spirit within Peter. Let's remember that. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for my gospel and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. We are not to be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. As a teenager, as a teenager that was growing up um, and was hanging out around unbelievers and world, worldly people, I was ashamed of being a Christian. I hid that light. Now looking back, I wish I didn't, but I did. And so if you are a teenager and uh, you are ashamed of the gospel of Christ, you are ashamed that you're a Christian, do not be ashamed. The Bible says if you are ashamed, then the Father will be ashamed of you. It says, uh, for what, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world? You can gain your friend's approval, right? But forfeit your soul. How many times have we heard this before? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. At a time, I didn't understand I didn't understand this principle because I did not read my word. As a teenager, I was very busy with life, pleasures and treasures of life. So I did not make the word of God my priority. And because of this, I hid my light. I did not know any better. I was ignorant. But when I know better, I do better. When I know not to hid my light, then I don't hid my light. Then I don't hide my light. And so you too, if you are hiding your light today, turn around your actions, turn around your actions and shine that light that is on the inside of you. And God will bless you for it. Don't be afraid. Don't be intimidated by your friends because God is on your side. I pray this was a blessing to you. It surely has been to me. Thank you once again for joining. God bless you and take care.